Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Monday, April 5th, and we are recovering from a busy Lenten, Holy Week, and Easter journey. But we can say with all glory that Christ is risen, risen indeed, hallelujah. So a blessed resurrection to all of you, to all the pastors and church workers. May you receive some rest today and some peace as is well-deserved proclamation of the gospel. But today we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true word of God and the word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true light and has made God known to us through our Savior Jesus. The light shines on us today as we dig into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul calls the Thessalonians to live a God-pleasing life by the power of the Holy Spirit, live in a moral life, and also to love others. And he ends our verses with some words that are kind of unique, to live quietly, Mind your own affairs, work with your hands, and be dependent on nobody. Parts of this sounds great if you're an introvert, but what is Paul actually saying here? Let's dig in. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's word, we have with us today Pastor Keith Wise Wise of Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd and also chaplain for Good Shepherd Lutheran Communities in Sauk Rapids, Minnesota. Pastor Wise, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. It's great to be here. Pastor Wise, it's interesting. Well, one, you're nearby me here, uh, in, in you're in Soccer Rapids, which is the, the town next door to Sartell, and you are in a very unique ministry opportunity at Good Shepherd. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and the work of the saints at your congregation? Absolutely. Well, I don't know if we are the only anymore, but at one time, we were the only institution that had a a senior living community with a nursing home and apartments for independent seniors and services like um, therapy and assisted living, as well as a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregation. Um, I think there are a few other of those around at this point, but what that means is I serve everyone who lives or stays here briefly um, in our nursing and rehab units. Um, as well as all of our residents who live in the apartment buildings and their families as their chaplains, regardless of their church affiliation, faith traditions, or lack thereof. But also, I serve as the pastor of the Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd, which, when things are normal, meets and worships in our chapel, which is located within the Good Shepherd community here, and is open to everyone, even if you don't live or work here at the community. So the vast majority of our members do live here, um, a few work here, uh, but we do have uh, several folks who are not part of the official Good Shepherd community, but are part of our congregation. So there's lots of spillover into uh, pastoral care for folks in lots of different situations from uh, some younger folks with, you know, younger folk problems, all the way up to folks who are on their deathbeds and everything in between. So it is a bit, uh, I don't know if it's unique per se, but it is very unusual among the calls to ministry for pastors in the Missouri Senate. And tell us a little bit about the challenges of the past year, maybe a minute or two. The, cha- the biggest challenge of our past year here has been the, the solitude that has been forced upon us. Um, we rely, and by we, I mean me and the, the regulars at church and at Bible study and the folks who see one another in the nursing home all the time. You don't realize how much importance that fellowship has, even if all it is is you see that one person every day and you nod your head or you lift your finger, even if you don't say a word. But when you've missed that for a year, when you've not been able to gather for worship in the chapel for a year, 
when we've not been able to come together for a Bible study for a year, um, it has been very challenging. So we have tried to meet some of those challenges with technology. We, all our services are live on Facebook Live, and then they're archived on YouTube. We put Bible study on Facebook Live and YouTube as well. We've done some very small group things. I've done lots of phone visits. So the biggest challenge has been that isolation um, from families, especially who up until very recently, the most they could do was visit through a window from the outside. Mm. So things are improving on that front. Praise God. I hope it keeps the, to, continues to do that. And we are planning on having our first in-the-chapel worship services again in over a year this Easter. So we are headed in the right direction. Well, that is wonderful. As we uh, look at this time of year, what better way to be able to gather in God's house? Uh, and, you know, God bless Amen. you. And God bless you in that whole process. You know, being in our circuit, it's been one of those things where— um, we realize how much we have to go through in the normal parish, but for you, it's it's been a, an increased amount of rules and regulations, and thanks be to God, we're almost on the other end of this whole process, and we pray for the Lord's guidance. But today, um, we're going to be in God's Word, so First Thessalonians chapter 4. Pastor, will you begin our time in prayer? I certainly will. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, grant us your grace and your Holy Spirit, that we should fear and love you, and through such love lead sexually pure and decent lives, that we each love and honor our own spouses, that we hold marriage in high esteem as you have established it, and that we each be able to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor. As we read your word, plant these holinesses, this sanctification, into our heart and soul, that it may bear the fruit of faithfulness, and at the end, we may be welcomed along with all the saints into the blessed rest and peace and joy of everlasting life in Christ. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. We are, as we continue towards the tail end of 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, I encourage our listeners to, once again, have a good refresher of when you look at this letter, it's happening, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. This is where, when we started last week in 1 Thessalonians, that we were able to look at Acts chapter 17 to have a little background. At the same time, get out a good map and see where Thessalonica is in, in, in reference to um, uh, Greece and uh, Macedonia and how important of a city it was. It was kind of like a, a thoroughfare of people going through, much like Pastor Wise used to be a um, Wise used to be in St. Louis. It's much like St. Louis. Everyone kind of went through Thessalonica, right? It wasn't just a place that everyone came and stopped and settled. It was a main thoroughfare of places. <laughs> Nobody um, wanted to stay. They all just wanted to keep going through. <laughs> exactly. And so it was a city that had various issues. But uh, I encourage our listeners to really look into this background. And as we continue to look at Thessalonians, Pastor, you want to say something? Um, yes, I do. Um, right at the beginning, if you're listening with small children, um, just know that we are going to be talking about sexuality and chastity and sexual immorality and the proper use of sexual relationships in marriages. We are not going to talk about it graphically, but if you have small children around and it, it makes you uncomfortable for them to hear that sort of conversation at this point in your life, I just wanted to let you know that's going to happen now. So if you'd rather listen on the website later or on a podcast or a recording um, when the kids aren't around, if you can't like have them go play by themselves or something, 
We will be talking about adult things. This is rated at the very least PG-13. And I wanted to give everybody a heads up about what we're going to be talking about. Very so. good. Thank you for that, Pastor. Um, sure. Is there any other background or thematic uh, introductions you want to have for today? Well, I would also like to say if you have a small catechism, uh, Luther's small catechism available and handy, um, that probably will be helpful for you because chapter four at verses one through 12, what we're going to look at today, Paul really is uh, elaborating and preaching a sermon basically on the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he's talking to the Thessalonians about how you do that, why we should do that, what that looks like, and so on and so forth. So we will be referring to the small catechism. Uh, we may, but probably won't be referring to the large catechism. And if we do, either way, if you don't have those handy, I'll be sure to read those things out loud. So what on earth? Be sure to read those things out loud so that we don't um, have anybody who misses anything from that. Well, thank you for that. And once again, when we talk about small catechism, we're talking about Luther's small catechism, large catechism he wrote later, and all part of what we have as part of our confessional heritage of the Book of Concord. So if you have those handy, look those up, and a clear exposition of God's Word. So as we look at chapter 4, a few things that has come along. In chapter 3, chapter 2 into chapter 3, we have Paul who really longs to be with them again. Even though last time he was in Thessalonica, they didn't quite welcome him as much as you would think. Then in chapter 3... <laughs> Getting run out of town isn't exactly a great reason to want to come back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No. It makes me wonder sometimes, Pastor, like on call night, if you were to get a call to Thessalonica... And, and then you're like, all right, I can't wait to go serve in this place. And then you hear about, you know, Paul and Silas and Timothy and what they went through. Yeah. It would be quite the yeah, experience. Yeah, the last guy, we ran him out of this town, and we ran him out of the next town over. So exactly. you better be good at this, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot. But it is amazing how Paul is, hey, I cannot wait to see you again. I, I There's... You know, there's so much going on, but, you know, you're on the top of my list. I want to come back. He's fearless in the face of that. And, it, you know, it's not only here. It's in Ephesus. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's a good point. And, and he receives a report from Timothy in Chapter 3. And the report is good. The good part is, yes, we had problems. Yes, we had an issue. But yet, God's word is still going out. We learn in chapter 1 that it not only went through Macedonia, but part of Achaia, which would now be part of Greece. Probably not that far away from Corinth is where Paul is writing this. So the, the word is getting out. The preaching of God's word is bearing fruit, even in the worst of circumstances. And now he is coming to this point, and he gives them very simple instructions, as you said, about living a God-pleasing life. Any other introductory thoughts you have, Pastor? Uh, no, I think that's a very good introduction because once we get into the actual uh, uh, words of chapter 4, everyone will understand exactly what we've meant by those introductory remarks. Wonderful. So let's open up our Bibles and let's get to it. Reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. As Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop there because we don't have the fullness of what he's exactly instructing them, but he is giving us some very good foundational things to think about in these first two verses. Pastor, where do you want us to get us started? Well, first off, and just so the listeners know, uh, I know we officially use the English Standard Version I'm one of those rebels who uses the New King James for myself. 
So there will be some slight variations in wording and things here. But trust me, my Bible says the same thing yours does. But just wanted to give you all a heads up. I want to start uh, probably where nobody thinks we're going to start. But I want to start with that word brothers. Mm. Or in um, the King James, uh, New King James, finally then brethren. Mm. St. Paul is talking to his fellow Christians. These are, and in that time, it's a term that encompasses the men and the women. He is not thinking of them as heretics or hellbound or uh, fallen away or anything like that. He's addressing them as fellow Christians. And when we as pastors teach and preach, I think it's a good reminder to us that those people in the pews are our brothers and sisters and fellow saints. Mm. And there's a difference between how we address fellow Christians than if we were at, at a mission station preaching to people who just happen in off the street and wouldn't know Jesus from Abraham Lincoln. So I want to make that point because Paul does say some very important things, sometimes even harsh sounding things in this letter, but he never quits thinking of the Thessalonians or are we calling them Thessalonians? I don't know, um, as his brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's one very important thing we have to hold on to Mm -hmm. as we go through this. And then also he urges and exhorts. He he doesn't just do one. Mm -hmm. He does both. He asks and he calls on. He appeals and he um, encourages in the Lord. He's not making this up as he goes along. This is not, oh, I got a good idea what to talk about. Hey, let's talk about how to live a sexually pure and decent life. No, Jesus has revealed this to him to preach to them. And it's a very interesting parallel. um, And this is sort of a big picture Bible thing. uh, But if you'll hang with me, John chapter 12, Jesus says, I don't say my own words. I only say what the Father has given me to say. Late, uh, no, that's John chapter 8, sorry. John chapter 12, Jesus says he's sending the Holy Spirit who's not going to speak his own words, but what Jesus tells him. Mm-hmm. In First Thessalonians, Paul says, I'm speaking in the Lord Jesus. Where did he get those words? Well, they came from the Holy Spirit. And so that's why you can trust this is from God because The Father gives the word to the Son, who is the word in the flesh, who gives the word to the Spirit, who gives it to Paul, who gives it to us right now as we're discussing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's Paul saying, listen up, because we're not just having any old conversation here. This is serious stuff about the true God from the true God. Mm -hmm. And he wants them uh, not just to walk, and that's Paul's word in the epistles for live. This is how you should live your Christian life. He uses the word walk all the time. I know you're doing this already, but I want you to abound more and more and more in it. What you're doing, keep doing. And what you are doing, do more of it. Because, like you know, we heard in the introductions in the earlier chapters, your faithfulness It's spreading throughout Macedonia. It's spreading all the way through Greece into Achaia. It's very likely, judging from 2 Corinthians, that they, out of their poverty, the Thessalonians, this is not the rich church in town. This is the poor church on the wrong side of town that just barely pays the light bill, much less the insurance for the pastor. But out of their poverty... Paul says they gave because they wanted to be part of the fellowship with their Christians in Jerusalem. Mm. And so these are his brothers, and he says, you're doing this right, and I'm glad the report from Timothy was good. And so you know what we've told you, but you're never going to reach a spot 
where you have achieved the goal and you get to sit back, prop your feet up and say, oh, thank goodness, I'm finally holy and it's over. And that's really so, helpful. That's really helpful, Pastor. Sorry, continue. No, I need I need a breath. Go ahead. You need a breath. <laughs> because, first of all, it, it's a good reminder for me that when, I, when we gather on Sunday morning, that people in our churches could be anywhere else. In Minnesota, as you know, they could be at the lake. Um, they oh, could be especially starting this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. They're already looking at the lake and ready to get the boat out, even though it might snow at any moment. But still, they want they could be there. They they could be watching TV. They could be sleeping in, and and especially now they could be you know they could be watching us online, which is not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying when they come, they are brothers and sisters in Christ because they want to be there. So we have to. I have to remember that. Um, we all have to remember that that this is an amazing uh, testament of the Holy Spirit's work in having people confess Jesus as Lord, and that when Paul and Timothy and Silas, who are all credited as kind of being the author of this epistle, when they preach, they're preaching in the Lord Jesus, not their opinion, but the Lord's opinion about how they are to walk. So he's he's laying the groundwork of saying, this is who you are, this is who we are, and this is how we are to live, not 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 in a pleasing sense to work your way up the ladder, but to live a holy life and doing so more and more. And that's, you know, you said that so well, too, because we're always growing. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our, our tagline, I guess you would call it, is growing in Christ, sharing his love. A reminder that whether you're 80 or you're two, we're all growing in Christ and keeping our eyes fixed on him. Um, to do it more and more, and you know the instructions. I mean, it, it, just, it just lays the groundwork for the rest of our time. Last thoughts on those first two it, verses? It, it really does. And the one other thing I really want to point out is Paul ends this with, in the New King James, it ends with how you ought to walk and to please God. Mm-hmm. Don't ever think God isn't concerned doesn't care. Um, don't think it's impossible for you to please God as a bapti- baptized, spirit-filled, forgiven child of God by Christ, whose resurrection we just celebrated. You do please God. And so what you do and how you live matters. And Paul is going to talk about sexuality and sexual relationships here. And that is one of the most important things we need to keep uh, our eyes focused on Christ in, in the midst of, so that we do please God. Well, and that's important too. I know on a personal level that often we talk about doing holy things or to, to live a holy life, or you look at, uh, Colossians 3, when it talks about put on compassion and love and all of these things, often it's been couched in a, um, and, and this isn't wrong, but it, it, it's not sustainable in my opinion, is that in a couch of you have to be a good witness so the world will see your good works and glorify God, which we, we, we agree with. That's in the scriptures, you know, it's right there. Um, but if we don't see it as how this is a way that I can please my Lord because this is what God wants for me, um, then it gets it gets exhausting. It gets exhausting to do it for my neighbor because you're like, oh, geez, how much do I have to do? Or, or you're thinking, well, they're not really looking right now, so will they really know those kind of things? Um, but here he's speaking about this is a this is a pleasing thing to the Lord. And if the Lord is the Lord of all creation, and He conquered death and the grave and the devil and all these things, um, maybe He's a worthy person or worthy thing to please. That's my, my Amen. Yeah. And even in the sense of, you know, this really also all goes all the way back to Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. And this is the godly way for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, uh, among Christians um, in holy marriages, and I call them holy marriages because when Christians are married, that's a sacred thing. Um the being fruitful and multiplying part of that is no less sacred than the making breakfast 
mowing the grass part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody's hopefully watching you doing the being fruitful and multiplying part of it, but there is still a proper way to do it and to be God-pleasing in it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it has to be addressed. It's uncomfortable for some people to talk about this. I don't do much premarital counseling because average age here of folks is over 80, so I, I haven't done a wedding in like five years. But when you get to that part in the premarital counseling about now we're going to talk about sex, you know, it's like these two adults look down at the ground like they're in middle school. You know, if I don't look up, I can't see him. He can't see me. You know, he won't call on me to talk about this. But it it is it can be a holy thing. It is a holy thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason it's enjoyable. And there's a reason God has given it to us to fulfill his command to be fruitful and multiply. But there are limits. There are ways to turn that gift of God into a horrendous sin, just like there are ways to turn every gift of God into a horrendous sin. So we've got to address the sins that come about as part of that as well. Let's move on to verses three through five, and then we'll have to take our okay. break and catch and, and, and to speak about it at that point. So three through five, Paul continues. Okay. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We'll touch on this after our break, but right now we are studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with Pastor Keith Wise, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We're studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with Pastor Keith Wise. And as we are looking at this, there is one thing that's come up in my mind here as we've been studying this, and it has nothing to do with the text. But Pastor Wise, you are a Texan in Minnesota. What is that like in the middle of January? Cold. <laughs> um, that's what it's like in a word, uh, but also mesmerizing. Um, for someone who saw it snow maybe three times in the first 25 years of my life before I went to the seminary. Um, and then and that total amount of snow would be less than six inches altogether. To live in Minnesota, and especially what was that, two Februarys ago when we had the most snow in a February yep. ever, and it was piled up taller than my children and those kind of things. <laughs> Even now, when it snows, I can sit and look out the window and just watch it for hours. Wow. You know, it's it's one of those things that's like, this is really cool. And then I'm reminded that I have to go shovel it off the driveway and the sidewalk, and it's not so cool anymore. But no, no. It, it's, it has been a really good place for us. We really like it here. The family is doing well. Uh, Minnesota is good for us and has been good to us. Well, and thanks. the church here has been wonderful to us. So. Well, thanks be to God. We're glad to have you here. But as we transition Thank to you. verses 3 through 5, he speaks about the will of God and your sanctification. Right. These are some words that maybe need some unpacking. Um, can you begin with sanctification? What does that mean? Well, okay. Sanctification keeps showing up too, so it's very mm-hmm. important. It's in verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's in verse 4, possess your own vessel is what New King James says in sanctification, Mm. Um, meaning to possess your own body. 
Um, and then it shows up one more time, and I wrote it down, but now I can't find it. Um, oh, because it says holiness instead of sanctification. Oh, verse but seven? It's the same word. Uh, I believe you're correct. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. At the end of verse seven. So this is important. And as Lutherans, sometimes we're afraid to talk about sanctification. Which, if you don't know what that means, think of it as your holification. God is making you holy. Mm. This is what God does to make and keep you holy. Okay, that's great. What does that mean? That means he has set you apart from the world for himself in his holy Christian church, which is eternal, which is earthly, which is heavenly, which is the communion of saints. So, All of this is part of what God does to us and for us and how we live in that holiness when God has separated us out from the ungodly, hell-bound pagan heathens that consists of the rest of the people in the world. And that begins for us at baptism, and it continues throughout our life of faith as we're fed, nourished, and grown up by God in the word and the sacrament. So this is, even as adults, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, what? That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, go stand on the sidewalk at, at the busiest corner in your town and preach that sentence over and over again and see how long you last, because this is a very anti-cultural, otherworldly, opposite of the the zeitgeist, the thought of the day kind of message. God wants me to abstain from sexual immorality while the world is teaching me that if it makes me and my genitals feel good, that I should do it because it must be right. That's, that's how God made me. And see, that's, what, that's one of the challenges the church faces today. Because even within the broad church, with a, and we'll, be, we'll be very generous here and put a capital C on that and say other denominations within the church, you, you've got as many opinions on what sexual morality is as you've got people at the meeting. Right. Right. And the struggle is, if you read through this chapter uh, and you dig deep into it and go back to what Paul's referring to and what he's alluding to, well, you cannot come away with anything like what the modern um liberal, not in a political sense, but in a more liberal, we we give you lots more options of what things mean, uh, reading of the biblical text means. You You can't end up there at all. You've got to stick with the holiness, the morality, and where the sixth commandment comes in is right here. Now, I know everybody listening has the sixth commandment memorized. You've also got the explanation and all the Bible verses in the back of the catechism memorized. But just in case there's one or two of you who don't, the sixth commandment is you shall not commit adultery. And the explanation, what does this mean, is we should fear and love God. See what comes first? God. Mm -hmm. So that we may lead a pure and decent life. Some translations say a chaste Mm -hmm. and decent life or sexually pure and decent life in words and deeds. And here's the kicker. And each love and honor their spouse. Oh, wait, you mean I'm supposed to be married before I start doing sexual things? Uh, yes. Well, I don't know that premarital sex was the big problem here in uh, Thessalonica, but certain sexual immorality absolutely was. Um, The 
the word Paul uses for sexual immorality, porneos, it's where we get our word pornography. Um, so unchastity, fornication, or some other translations use those words. So this is this is sinful. Bottom line, sexual immorality is sinful. You cannot live if it's under, if it feels good, it must be good and please God. If you're in a marriage, if you're in a godly marriage, if you're doing what feels good because it is good and it's fulfilling God's command to be fruitful and multiply and not putting any barriers in the way of that, if you're accepting children as a gift of God rather than as a, a burden or as your sort of token little new purchase you've managed to get for yourself and show off among your friends, if you're doing it right, well, then it is a blessing. But there are so many temptations to do it wrong that Paul, even in biblical times, A.D. 51, my Lutheran study Bible says is when he's writing this, mm -hmm. you know, people struggled with it. So he wants, verse 4, can we move on to verse 4? Yeah. That each yes. of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, in hagiasmos, in that holiness, and possess his own vessel. You know, that's exactly what Paul says. Possess your own container. Possess your own jar. Mm. ESV goes with body. I think St. Paul is trying to be a little more specific, and this is where you get a little more PG-13. I think he's telling the men and women of Thessalonica, you need to know how to maintain your own sexual organs and urges and actions in holiness. Mm -hmm. um, because you can tell a three-year-old, you know, contain your body in holiness, and you can explain that in a way that makes sense. But he's not talking to three-year-olds here. And I'm not faulting ESV. The point comes across. You know, it's mm -hmm. not wrong. But I think possess your own vessel. There's not a man in the world who can't read those words in that order and know exactly what Paul means. And I can say, I say that as a man because I don't think like a woman, so I don't know. But... Mm -hmm. Am I am I missing something there, or do, do, do you see what I'm saying there? I know exactly what you're saying, and I, okay, I, good. I love how you've broken this down because he is not going through a laundry list of different things that you can do to be holy. You know, he's saying right. this is the will of God, your holiness or sanctification, and he just says simply this: abstain from sexual immorality. And as you said. This is not a popular message for today, um, partly because the message has become politicized. It's become right. a people group as opposed to an action, you know, so this is who I am mm -hmm. as opposed to this is what I do, um, separated from God's will, obviously. And at the same time, this was an issue in the first century. I mean, you go through, this is why he talks about it all the time. This is why he talks about it in Colossians. This is why he talks about it in Corinth. Um, he's in Corinth as he writes this. So he's not only talking to the Thessalonians, but he's sitting in Corinth himself and looking around and going, oh my goodness, what is going on? And and he's so he is definitely hitting it right to the core of the message that this is a battle a battle that's been around um, forever since the fall. And right now he's telling them, control your body, but he's not just telling them that uh, to have some kind of message. He's saying this in the name of the Lord Jesus. And guess what? When you are in Christ, baptized into Christ, this holiness is something that you can do, not because it's you, but because the Lord is the one who's going to help you. Those are my first thoughts Amen. as we go through that. Yeah. Other thoughts you and, want? And it's the holiness you already have. Mm -hmm. So when you when you sin, when you sin against God and you take part in porneia, sexual immorality, fornication, unchastity, adultery, you're you're not just sinning against God, you're tearing down what God's already built up in you to be. 
And so it's already there, this holiness. God gives it to us in Christ, in the Word, in the sacraments. Paul, because look at verse 5. Paul makes a clear distinction. You're, don't act in passion of lust. Don't act in by instinct like unthinking animals, like these Gentiles, which means everybody who's not us, who do not know God. So without God, you can't possibly please him. Without knowing God, you can't possibly be holy because he's the one who does it. So look at what these unholy people do. They build temples and to worship their so-called gods, put a little G in front of that word, part of what they do is they have sex with each other, sometimes in public, sometimes, you know, for, you know, use your imagination, but try not to sin while doing that because that's going to take you in bad places. But all of these people know exactly what Paul means because they see it every day. The ancient Roman world, um, you know, we see pictures of ruins and beautiful statues and all these kind of things. And the reason we see them and we think, oh, that's pretty, is because on many of them, when the Victorians found them, they chopped the huge erect penises off of them so no one would be offended. They painted over the pictures of people having sex with one another so people wouldn't be offended. Pornography, the, the internet is just a new tool for a sin that's as old as we are. Um, there are recently found uh, Roman age, this age when Paul is writing, um, brothels and places of prostitution, where if you can't imagine what you like, well, there's here's your catalog of the offerings. Painted on the wall, pick what you'd like to do or have done. Now, that's as graphic as I'm going to get, but to prove the point that these people know exactly what Paul means when he says abstain from sexual immorality. You, because you know the commands we gave you, that's the Ten Commandments, you know the Sixth Commandment. Honor your husband, honor your wife. Yes, sex is good, but it has a proper godly context. Then that context includes God's holiness. And in verse 6, did we go that far yet? Um, how, about, how about this? I'm going to read 5 through 8. And then we can okay. we can keep moving because you're on a roll and I don't want to stop you. So I'm going to read five through okay. eight and we're going to keep moving here. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. This goes to the holiness part. Then no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger. And in all things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Continue on, Pastor. Okay, so we were, I was at verse 6, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and Paul makes it so clear that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. You, there's nothing worse you can do to a fellow human being, Christian or not, than to break that sacred one flesh union they have in marriage by inserting yourself into it. There's nothing worse you can do. Now, as Lutherans, we are known to say a sin is a sin is a sin. We rely on James chapter 2 that says if you break one law, you break them all. The same God who says don't commit adultery also says don't commit murder, etc., etc. And, and Paul is not contradicting James. He's absolutely right. You break one sin, you break them all. But sexual sins are worse than other sins for the very reason Look this up yourself when you have time. Write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. 
when you engage in sexual sins like fornication and adultery, sex outside of marriage, the sin is never just between you and God then. It's between you and that other person, and it's about God. And if anybody's married, technically, to commit adultery, somebody's got to be married. Otherwise, it's fornication. But regardless, if you commit adultery, your sin uh, affects you, the person you committed that sin with, each of your spouses, each of your children, each of your parents. If you're young and married and do this, maybe even your grandparents, this is a sin that by its very nature flows into and disrupts and upsets and angers entire families and generations like no other sin can do. So Paul says, do not take advantage of or defraud your brother in this matter. You've got a wife. God gave her to you for a reason. Love her. Don't abuse her, but love her. Keep your sexual relationship with her. That's holiness. Anything else you do, you know, we men like to say things like, oh, I can look. I just can't touch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, go read the Sermon on the Mount. That's adultery. Um, anyway, that sin is worse than any other because the ripple effect it has on a family and it and i say this because i grew up in a in a town not even big enough to have a dairy queen it can affect a whole community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and kids at school and for for years to come so this is the worst thing you can do to your neighbor this is to uh, commit adultery with their husband or their wife and take that sexual relationship outside of your own marriage. And Paul is very clear because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. You cannot be a fornicator and enter the kingdom of God. Look at Ephesians 5, 3 to 7. The, the list of people who don't get into the kingdom of God, fornicators is right there at the top. And those who don't get into the kingdom of God, what's the, well, the only other option is hell. So if, if you're involved in passions of lust, in sexual immorality, in looking at pornography on the internet, uh, lusting after someone just with your eyes, if you're physically involved in a sexual relationship with someone you're not married to, if this message from Paul right here is not a call to repentance, nothing is. Because this is not an unforgivable sin, but it's a sin that if you are committing, needs to be confessed. And the risen Lord Jesus, this Easter Monday, will forgive you. It's as simple as that in the theological sense. But we all know in a physical sense, it's never simple. Because sometimes our bodies tell us to do things we know we shouldn't do. We don't really want to do, but our body's telling us, oh, you better do it, Mm -hmm. which is why Paul makes this so clear. The Lord is the avenger. We have forewarned you. God did not call us to uncleanness, or he did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. There it is the third time. Holiness, Mm -hmm. holiness, holiness. It's like a refrain here. And holiness means loving and honoring your spouse in such a way that you maintain that holiness. Now, no sex life in a marriage is ever perfect. But 
there's nothing good, not even close to perfect, in taking your sex life out of your marriage. Explain that a little bit more. The last part. If, okay, here's, here's what I mean. I don't. I think if I if I lined up every man who lives here at Good Shepherd and asked them about their marriage and could um, guarantee they would guarantee me they were perfectly honest and say, "Were you always happy with the sex life and that part of your marriage with your wife?" They would say, "Well, there were times when yeah yeah we had a dry spell here and there. Um, there were things that you know." I would have liked to done, you know, nothing bad, but in love, but mm-hmm. wouldn't. There were times I got told no and was disappointed um, and, and things like that. And that's what I mean by no sex life in a marriage is perfect. Right. Because you're, too, you're one flesh miraculously united by God. But just like Paul says in Romans 7, that sinful flesh that is still you, the individual, is fighting cats and dogs against the one flesh union God has given you in marriage. And so it's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And sometimes then that causes men to go looking to find that, you know, what's in their head, perfect or better sex life outside the marriage, adultery, fornication, which just leads to all these problems. So it may not be perfect in your marriage bed, but sometimes holiness is better than perfection. Well, always gotcha. holiness is better than perfection. Gotcha. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Because you're not going to make anybody any holier by committing adultery. You're, you're not going to make yourself any better. You might have a few minutes of physical gratification. But that's never going to be holiness. Or perfection. So Paul says, you know what happens to people who do this? They end up in hell. We told you that already. You've been called to holiness. We want to keep you out of hell. And then I think Paul says the the probably what would be the most controversial part of a conversation you or I or any other pastor had with somebody today as part of pastoral care. Therefore, this is verse 8, therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey dude, your problem's not with me, your problem is with God. Right. Now, I would not um, advise any pastor, I know there are lots of them with more experience than me, I'm still relatively young, but I know enough to, to know never to start with well, your problem is not with me, it's with God. Right. It doesn't always go over well. No. Um, but sometimes you got to get to that point because that's what Paul is saying. Look what God has given you. He's given you his Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5, two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are love and self-control, mm. both necessary for chastity, sexual purity, and maintaining the honor of the marriage bed. You've been given that gift. If you reject that gift, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. You're rejecting God. It's not so big a deal. You reject Paul or uh, Pastor Finner or Pastor Wise. The bigger gift is you're rejecting the holiness God has given you. And if you want to reject that holiness, you know, God will let you. He doesn't want you to, but that's all on you. So that's why Paul stresses so strongly why it is that we should maintain our own vessels in sanctification and honor because that's what God has given us. And when we do that in our marriages, Um, And when we wait for marriage to engage in sexual activity, when we only engage in sexual activity in marriage with someone of the opposite sex as God intends marriage to be, there's holiness there all over the place. And who'd ever thought? Because what do we do? 
after the kids have finally gone to sleep, you lock the doors, you make sure nobody's still awake. You know, it's a very private thing. You don't advertise it, mm-hmm. but it's holiness abounds in that loving part of a marriage relationship. Now, Pastor, so Paul we... wants. As we, as we talk about this, you're on a roll, but we only have a few more minutes to get through the rest of our text. And so okay. you hit uh, it. Then you tell me where you want to go. I think I've hit the high point. You hit it, those, and it's, it's, been, it's wonderful. I to do. And I would encourage our listeners to take those words to heart because it is very, very, very much so a part of our lives as it was for the Thessalonians. Let us read verses 9 through 12 and, and wrap things up. Now, concerning yeah. brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now, Pastor, we have about two minutes here, and here he speaks a lot about loving one another. We've, we've, we've talked about the life pleasing to God when it comes to morality and sexual immorality. Here he's talking about how ministry has gone through Macedonia, and he urges them to more and more love and to, to live a holy life. And the last part, live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands, as we instructed you so that you walk properly. What is he speaking about in those last two verses? We have about a minute left. Okay. First, lead a quiet life. Um, I don't have time to get into this, but Google uh, quietism mm. versus leading a quiet life. A quietism is the opposite of activism, where, and Lutherans have been accused of this for various reasons. We just accept whatever happens as the will of God, no matter how awful it is, which isn't always true. But that's not what Paul says. He's saying, do what you're supposed to do and don't do it for fame. You know, you're not going to be famous. Just be who God has called you to be. Mm. Lead a quiet life, fulfill your vocation. And I like the New King James, the next phrase, mind your own business. You know, don't gossip. Do your own real business business. Make yourself a living. Work with your hands. It's an honor to support your family. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to Genesis as well. Why? Well, because now the ground is cursed and by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your bread. So go sweat, work, find a job. And, you know, God commends that and walk properly toward those who are outside. What other people think does matter. I don't care what your mama said. It doesn't matter what other people think. Yes, it does. To this point, that if they see you, say you're a Christian, but act like a hypocrite, they're going to think that about all Christians. Strive to be faithful. Fulfill your vocation. Don't be a gossip. Mind your own business. Say everything in the kindest possible way. And men and women, maintain your own vessel with sanctification and honor because God has already blessed you with such in baptism and in his word. Pastor Keith Weiss of Good Shepherd Lutheran Communities in Sock Rapids, Minnesota, helping us out today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Pastor Weiss, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me, and God bless all of you. Saints of our Lord, live a holy life. It's okay to live a quiet life. Do what you can and get to work with your hands. All of this is done because Christ has done the work for you, just like we saw uh, this last Holy Week, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and on Easter morning, we realize that we depend not on others, but we depend on the Lord. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church. A blessed Easter season to you, and may the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.